Welcome to the MIT Sloan Sports Analytics Conference podcast presented by ESPN and 42 Analytics. This is Jessica Gelman, who along with Daryl Morey co-founded and chair the conference with a fantastic group of MIT Sloan students each year. Thanks for listening and enjoy. Good morning, and I hope you are enjoying the 2020 Sloan Sports Analytics Conference. My name is Lindsay Solitar, and I'm a first-year student at MIT Sloan, and it's my pleasure to introduce our panel, Innovating for the Next Generation of America's Pastime. On our panel today, we have Greg Kane, who's Vice President of Baseball Data at MLB, Caleb Weinstein, who's Director for Sport, Media, and Entertainment at Google Cloud, Blue DePauli, who is EVP and Chief Revenue Officer of the New York Mets. Jason Getke, who is Chief Technology Officer at MLB. And our panel will be moderated by Christina Douglas, who is Senior Deputy Editor at ESPN. The panel will run for 45 minutes, and then we will leave 10 minutes at the end for Q&A. If you have a question, we ask that you submit it via Twitter using the hashtag Baseball Innovation. If you forget the hashtag, it is also, uh, it was on the slide. <laughs> Uh, and the comments or questions with the top mentions will be selected by our moderator. And with that, I will turn it over to Christina. Awesome. Thank you so much, Lindsay. Thanks for coming, guys. It's so wonderful to see all of you here. Uh, it's an exciting time for baseball. We're three weeks out from opening day. I know I'm excited. We're all excited. So um, in addition to that, though, there was a really big announcement this week. And so that's why we're here. We're here to talk about the new partnership between Google Cloud and MLB. And so I wanted to start with, can you please explain to us what you did this week? And we'll go from there. Sure. Um, first of all, thanks for the opportunity. We're, we're all excited to, to be here and, and share some stories uh, as we get ready for the new season. Um, it's been a really busy off-season for us. The off-season is often uh, a busy time as we try to take on major projects and upgrade our infrastructure. This year, Google's been uh, a major part of that process. Uh, so stepping back a little bit, uh, the last three years have been a time of sort of dynamic change and uh, and renewal uh, for technology at baseball. About three years ago, Disney completed uh, a large uh, acquisition of our core technology platform and our team, the BAMTech deal that's now powering uh, ESPN Plus and also Disney Plus, um, and, and has scaled up and had a lot of success. We're really happy uh, for the team that went over there to Disney. Uh, it left us pretty depleted on the technology side. Uh, much of the uh, staff that was supporting technology at MLB went with that deal. Uh, Greg and his team thankfully stayed with us as a group that was focused on baseball. And we spent the last three years um, sort of teasing out the components of the platform that were baseball specific, uh, that we could uh, retain and build around, like the tracking platform, like the replay system, um, uh, the back office system that manages contracts and things like that, uh, and also our consumer products, um, and also rebuilding the organization. Um, so it was, a, it was a big lift. Uh, it was also an opportunity for us to think strategically about the technology partners that we chose and the platform that was going to come out of this that we were building on. So after uh, a pretty extensive uh, evaluation of various uh, cloud providers, uh, including AWS and Oracle and, and Teradata, who we all, also have relationships with, um, we made the decision to go from a multi-cloud strategy to a single cloud with Google. And we're building all of our core infrastructure on the Google platform going forward. So 
Caleb is here uh, from the Google Cloud team. He's been a great partner uh, over the past uh, year or so as we've uh, ramped up that partnership. We're already deployed uh, with a number of critical systems, our content management platform, our subscriber management platform for like MLB TV uh, and our mobile apps, uh, all of our uh, Commerce and entitlements uh, for paid products like MLB TV are running on Google Cloud. Uh, and then over the last, um, over this off season, we also migrated a number of um, systems like our business analytics platform called Wheelhouse, which Lou's going to speak to a little bit, onto that platform, onto BigQuery as well. So we've got all of our data in one place. So you can think of it as uh, sort of a many to one consolidation, simplification. Um, in this first phase of the project, it's about setting that foundation, making sure that it's rock solid and ready for the new season as we get started. But what we're most excited about is the opportunities that come next, you know, building on top of that platform and being able to use some of the advanced Google technology around machine learning and handling huge data sets and things of that nature. Caleb, this is really unique, right? There's no other sport league. There's nothing else doing this. Can you tell, tell us a little bit about why and how and why this Absolutely. I think, uh, you know, first, thank you for having us. We're really excited to be here, and we're really excited about the partnership with MLB. As Jason touched on, it covers everything from play and performance data that Greg focuses on to the enterprise, you know, to the video. Every aspect of how the league is, is really managing the game is now running on the capabilities of Google Cloud. You know, for us, we really, you know, I spent a lot of time talking to leagues and teams and associations about developing that unified data plane. You know, connecting your performance data to your fan data. You know, really, I'd say, uh, you know, driving the experience overall and, and looking at the business that every fan is a customer, a subscriber, you know, engaging and using a unified data plane to engage them in a deeper, in a deeper way. So the tracking component is a huge, huge part of this. So why don't, why don't we start there? Can we start with StatCast? And sure. What this means for StatCast? Right, so um, just kind of like re rewind a little bit and just kind of talk through the history of what, you know, what is now StatCast. But, you know, back in 2007, we started uh, tracking pitches uh, across every, every game in, in the league. Um, and that was just the pitch back at that, the, at that stage. And then in, in 2015, we launched the next generation StatCast platform. And each of these iterations, we learn more and more about what, you know, technology is capable of doing, but also what we can, uh, uh, what we want to get out of that data as, we, as we're able to uh, advance the technology. Um, and then in the last generation of StatCast, we were able to, you know, we were really amazed at what we could get out of a single radar panel that was behind the uh, behind home plate, and we were able to get nearly everything. We, 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 there were some no limitations on the system, and, and you know, we squeezed as much juice out of that system as we could. But you know, now with all the lessons that we learned from um, the previous system, we're now working with a partner in Hawkeye to to build a multi-camera system that has multiple redundancy and has all kinds of things in it that are based on the lessons that we learned over the last several years, you know, last five to ten years of work on this, this, this space. And this next generation system really takes us to the next generation and is able to you know, uh, provide 19-point you know, limb tracking data, things that were not possible in the previous system um, that are, we're able to gather here now. Um, you know, the, the key challenge in these transitions, though, is you have a, a corpus of knowledge about how a system works that the entire industry has. And you know, we have a radar technology that was tracking the ball and, and machine vision that was tracking the players historically. Now we're moving to a completely machine vision system backing into you know all the different elements that, that we're providing to all the clubs and to you know third parties and to uh, to broadcasters making sure it's still consistent and we maintain that same baseline you know we're spending a lot of time right now working through that to make sure that we can uh, um, 
you know, provide that same level of service. But once we get through that part, you know, down, you know, with all the limb tracking data, the complete coverage in the field, you know, we're tracking every single throw that's on the field now, including like tosses into the stands, which we need to filter out so that in our consumer products, are not part of the game itself, but it's just one of the, one of the items that we have to, to work through as we, we continue to expand the system. So now that we have these capabilities at hand, you know, we're able to work with partners like Google to start, you know, doing more extraction of, of this data based on where we know we, we wanted to go, but we're not able to do based on not be able to track, you know, 100% of throws in the field or, um, you know, various elements like that. So once we have this new plane now that we have all of the, the, uh, the data for everything that happens, we can start extending things like infield, infield outs above average and, and all these different other elements with all the data from every single throw of every single play of every single game, you know, it, that's really powerful once we can get to that, that level. So, you, so you've described this as a full rebuild, a generational refresh, essentially that you have solved object tracking. That's a really big deal. So now where do we go from here? What are some of the aspirational things that we can talk about and think about? Sure, so I mean, you know, one of the key elements that, that kind of for the league itself, you know, one of the really interesting things we're able to do with all this data, now that we have the tracking, we have all these elements, we know exactly when a pitch happens, we know what the end of the play is, so automatically right now and over the last several years, we've been clipping the video from every single game for both the home and away broadcast, so we can provide that to the clubs for baseball operation uses. But just yesterday, we launched a new platform um, for video search that exposes all of the, the video from every single pitch going back to 2018. Um, but it's also bringing in you know, the search for all the metadata of all the other editorial content that's there as well. So, you know, you know again, working with Google on the search side, um, able to, to solve that problem and, and expose all this content has been uh, a very interesting development out of this. And then to take that even further as we kind of develop more uh, machine learning models to do a recommendation engine around the types of video that you as a consumer might want to see. Uh, that's another really powerful element where we can start get more engagement with the fans to see, you know, expose all this like large corpus of content that we have that, you know, was always present, but it, you know, the, the, the way that you could access it before was more difficult. And now through this next generation platform that we're building on now, we're able to really extend that. I know we weren't supposed to go here very fast, but I think we're already here. Can we please talk about robot ums for a second? <laughs> because this plays into that, and you're already testing uh, sure. in spring training, and that's a very exciting part of this, at least for me as well. So Sure, sure. So um, the, tracking the advances in the tracking technology that Greg just described uh, in summary, and uh, Greg and I sort of live and breathe this stuff every day. We love it. That's why we're talking so fast. <laughs> um, um, we have made some really significant improvements in the accuracy of ball tracking just in the last two years. Uh, and we can quantify this. We quantify everything in this in this space. Um, the margin of error on our ball tracking accuracy just a couple of years ago was on the order of an inch or more. And that's okay for entertainment purposes when you're plotting a pitch on broadcast TV. Um, it's nice to have the live strike zone in real time, you know, showing where the pitch crossed the plate. But it's not good enough, um, or it doesn't measure up well against uh, expert human umpires. Uh, human umpires uh, are very, very accurate uh, in their uh, calling of balls and strikes. When we improve the accuracy of the tracking system down to the level of a quarter of an inch or a tenth of an inch, you start to get to the limits you know, of tracking. And, and there you can do a lot of things in an automated way. So not only are you taking the trajectory of the ball, 
and its location as it crosses a plate, but you can intersect that with a 3D volume of the strike zone. And you can do that in real time. And that's what we've been testing for the past year or so uh, in various lower level baseball leagues. We started with the Atlantic League um, to just sort of smoke test the system and make sure that the core ball tracking and uh, ball strike calling and the signaling back to the umpire, the umpires actually wear an earpiece that tells them if there was a ball or a strike. And the latency on that call has to be uh, hundreds of milliseconds, uh, like 200 milliseconds, in order to not be awkward and sort of disrupt the pace of the game. So we had some successful testing there. I would say that the response we got in that Atlantic League testing sort of exceeded our expectations. Not only did the technology work, but um, people around the game really embraced it. I mean, they were excited about the fact that this was going to improve accuracy of the strike zone. Um, so the next step is to take it to uh, minor leagues. And we're testing this year in the Florida State League, which is a, a lower level minor league um, um, system. The reason we chose Florida State is it maximized the amount of baseball that we could test with. These, these parks that we're deploying into um, host major league spring training and also the minor league regular season. Um, we're not testing at, uh, in live games at the spring training level with MLB players and umpires, but we're demonstrating the technology there for them. And then once the minor league season starts, you know, we'll be able to, um, to actually use this in, in calling live games. Um, we anticipate that that testing will continue at higher level minor leagues and eventually be ready for major league deployment. But there's a lot of stakeholders here. There's a lot of policy considerations and, um, and, and other sort of league issues that need to be navigated and negotiated. What we're excited about is the technology is maturing to the point that it's enabling those conversations. We think it's going to be a big change in the game. So when we talk about robot umpires, <laughs> There's no robots, um, but there will be like uh, technology augmentation of the existing umpires, you know, through the earpieces and the and the real time feedback. And the umpires are still going to play a really important role in managing the game and making human judgment calls about enforcing the rest of the rule book. So it's really about that specific uh, ball crossing the strike zone, intersecting with the strike zone problem that we're trying to solve there. I really appreciate you humoring me and, and going through all of that. Um, Lou, this is obviously a big deal for teams. Yep. This unified data plane and everything being in place and all teams having access to it. How do you plan to use some of this new data um, that you will have access to to reach fans and the in-park experience? Sure. So, I mean, obviously, as the non-tech person up here, I'm going to be the first one to admit that. Um, I'm going to be looking at things from how we engage a fan using these type of uh, enhancements. So obviously on the baseball side, our baseball operations department can take some of this granular data down to the you know, one-tenth of an inch or under um, tracking to get better analysis on how our team performance is going. But from a business, like how can fans utilize this and engage with it? So the idea here and the whole platform is really to help drive future fan engagement. You want more and more fan engagement. So if I can give an example, hopefully you could, I think we talked about this on our call a couple weeks ago. Um, you know, you're going to be able at some point, and I'm going to tout one of our own players, of course, here, uh, Jacob DeGrom, who's won the last two National League Cy Young Awards. If you want to slice and dice his data to see exactly every single 0-2 pitch that he threw, going back to 2018, you can pull that up instantaneously, and it'll be there for you to digest on your own. Like, that's fantastic, because you haven't been able to do that. Right now, you might be able to go online and look at old archive footage of a game, search for it yourself. It's rather uh, laborious. And for those who know, baseball fans are very engaged in stats 
and looking at numbers and looking at video and looking at the history of the game. So if now if you can pull up this data, this is gonna help you become more engaged as a fan. And then what that hopefully evolves into from our standpoint at the team level is how do we take that level of engagement and get further monetization of that fan in our ballpark or on TV. So really, we're excited by all of this. This is fantastic, and kudos to everybody here for making it happen. So Luke, what does that potentially look like? I know you've already experimented in park. Uh, obviously, there are promotions, there are other things, but what are some of the things you're playing around with? There's a lot you can do, because again, our, our job is to make sure that we're trying to balance you know, the in-park experience versus the TV experience. And obviously, if people are sitting at home using the MLB app, that's great. But you know, we need to make sure that we're getting people in the park. So we have to ensure that the experience at City Field or at Fenway or whatever ballpark isn't inferior. So a couple of things that we did last year is we were one of the first teams to introduce some advanced stats on our video board. So the main center field scoreboard literally listed hot zones. I mean, it's something simple, right? But it showed hot zones of the player at bat. Now, one of the first teams who came in, the visiting team, didn't like it because they thought we were giving an advantage to our catcher to know that, hey, Caleb hits 72% of his you know, uh, hits to the third base side. If, if we have to honestly think that that's gonna help our catcher focus and give the signals to our pitching staff, they're way behind the times. But the fans liked it because we got a lot of positive feedback to say, that's really cool. And then we started rolling out more advanced stats during the games up on the board, just silently, didn't advertise it, didn't push it, but then fans are like, that's really cool. I didn't know that because if I'm in the park and I'm using the MLB app, which I sit there and watch people using while watching the game live, I have access to that data. So as a team, why don't we utilize that to further engage fans while they're in the park? Because you've made the commitment to come to the ballpark, I have to make sure that my experience isn't going to be any less. Right. Those are great examples. Some other um, sort of front office or business analytics examples that we've heard around the league are being able to take the entire uh, uh, universe of baseball fans and sort of segment them and understand them as individual cohorts, you know, rather than just coarse grain season ticket holders, individual, you know, game sales, you know, being able to target uh, millennials that might be interested in a monthly subscription, like a Netflix subscription, you know, that gives you access to the stadium on a fixed price, more affordable, more of a social experience. Uh, many venues are moving to sort of standing room only um, sort of uh, bar experiences, like outfield bars, where you can go and socialize with your friends and, you know, giving you an all access pass, you know, to that for a month, you know, is a different way of thinking about a baseball game. Um, it's sort of a, a communal social experience with baseball in the background, which is kind of nice. Um, other things that we're like thinking about going forward are uh, loyalty, targeted offers, promotions like that. The more time, the more you engage, you know, the more the benefits accrue to you. The more we learn about you, that sort of thing. So all this is enabled by collecting data and really understanding how fans are engaging with the game, um, coming to games, buying uh, merchandise and concessions. Um, engaging our digital products, sharing content on those platforms. We aggregate all that data into a platform that we call Wheelhouse, and we use it at the league level to understand our fan base and to take care of them better, to serve them better. We also share that data with the clubs, and then the clubs mash up their own data from local uh, merchandising and point of sale uh, logs and things like that. So all of that uh, uh, fan data uh, is now running on BigQuery. 
Um, it, it was running on a different data warehouse in the past. We made the move this off-season to BigQuery, and what we're finding is a lot of the stakeholders that use that data are really happy uh, that we're on that platform because they've already been on BigQuery and on Google Ad Manager and, and other platforms for marketing purposes. So now they have a single unified data set that they can run queries against and do that kind of segmentation and targeting. So when, when Caleb mentioned one data plane, that's really what we're talking about, is like having one you know, big space, a big data lake that we're able to, um, to slice and analyze and segment um, on the Google platform. And I was, I was just going to add that, you know, we have a host of tools. Basically what we are is we're the engine to all this analysis. We have, all, we have over 30 data management products. We also, as Jason mentioned, we have not we have the Google marketing platform, which goes out and looks at the broader universe and relates that to the core data that Lou will have on his ticket holders, his season ticket holders, and everybody coming through the park. And then, you know, I think that's why we're so excited to be working with the MLB, because it's not only rich in the play and the performance data, it's also, let's be honest, it's a long season, it's 160 games, I think, you know, millions and millions of people coming into these parks, it offers us a great sandbox to be helping them to structure this data, where we see people are typically spending 70% of their time just structuring the data, and our goal is to get that down to, you know, 30, 20, 10, so then we can start to innovate off of that structured data. So, Caleb, what else can you take from other learnings? Obviously, you don't just work with MLB, you work with Google, you have a very interesting career path, but what have you learned along the way that baseball can use and really pull from within those wide range of tools? So, I mean, I think there are, there are a couple of really interesting things going on with MLB that we've done with other people. You know, we have a, a multi-year relationship with the NCAA where we took 80 years of stats and we've used that to actually do prediction analytics. And we've done it in uh, limited ways around the Final Four, but really to look back and say whether it was, what was the humidity of that day, you know, if it's raining, if it's, even if it's just hot, how is that team gonna perform versus another team? And I think, you know, what we like about StatCast there are developments going on in StatCast that can show that contextualization that Lou's talking about to bring that, you know, that story, I think, to life. And really, you know, I think the goal that we're trying to enable is this deep, engaging experience that's beyond the live, that basically makes that fan appreciate that sport and baseball in this sense, you know, 20, uh, 365 days a year, you know, and even if their team has not played that night, they can go back and they can find the data, enjoy the data in a, in a, in a you know, very easy, frictionless manner. And I think something that's interesting, there's, there's also the, the, there's the fan engagement side and the, or the fan analytics side, but there's the, the baseball operations analytics side, which, you know, a similar model, but, uh, you know, right now we deliver all of our data through a suite of APIs that we have. You know, this model that we have for the fan analytics side, um, we're going to replicate that same model for how we deliver um, uh, data to our, the baseball operations group at every, at every club. Um, because you know, they, they needed a very similar way to slice and slice this data in a way that we can deliver to them, and, and Google, Google's platform allows us to do so. As the guy who tries to keep things simple, right, that's kind of my job here. I'm the simple guy up here. Um, you know, the beauty of Wheelhouse for us, for those who may not understand, so previous to Wheelhouse, uh, going back just a couple of years ago, the Mets or any other team only had certain amount of information on their fans. I would know if you bought tickets, I might know if you bought concessions, potentially. I might know if you interacted with us on a fan club or a kids club. I didn't know that if you bought the MLB app. I didn't know that if you subscribed to MLB TV. I didn't know if you bought something online with merchandise from MLB Shop or for that. So all of a sudden, if I'm gonna to try to build, or our team is gonna to try to build a scoring model 
of a fan, right? You're trying to look at the lifetime value of a fan. I don't have all the data. I only know what I know, and that was very limited to just basically ticket purchasing data was most of what we had. Now, we can completely take a look at a much more of a 360 degree view of this fan to help us when we run that through a scoring model to decide you know, what type of a fan is that person and how do we approach them. We know how to segment offers to them where before it was just kind of buckshot, give it a chance and let's see how the best we can do, as smart as we could. But this definitely helps us be much more efficient and it's great that the league has taken initiatives to help us all be a lot smarter and more effective. That, I mean, that's a great entry into Firebase. You know, we have specifically technology for mobile, for mobile messaging that can take all this data that Lou's talking about and literally could text the people sitting in one section versus another, somebody who's been there for three games. It's that, uh, that way to move the data around that you can, you know, really engage with them on a new level. Right. That's perfect. Personalization seems to be at the heart, really, of all of this when it comes to fans. How are you also seeing in terms of the video components? That was something we spoke a lot about earlier and that, Greg, you hinted at. Uh, there's a lot going on there in terms of taking three-hour game, making it smaller, delivering right. that. Can you tell us a little bit about yeah, it? Yes, so, I mean, you know, we've been studying this very deeply, as you might expect, but the, one of the interesting takeaways that we found is that you know, most of the way that we were serving up content was the most, you know, the, the most viewed content that we actually had on our platform. So even understanding how to build a machine learning element to, to personalize how I, I'm putting video in front of you, I need to get data on actually how you're interacting with a large corpus of data because all we're really putting in front of you is what we've kind of editorialized already. So you know, we, we're launching that platform uh, uh, very soon, but that what it's gonna allow us to do is you know, take all, you know, our, if you're, um, if we know that you're uh, a Yankees fan, maybe we'll show you more Yankees content, but then also as we kind of continue to iterate on that. If you're a Mets fan, then we're gonna show you lots of Jacob deGrom highlights. So, um, <laughs> uh, but you know, as we kind of, you know, that's kind of you know, the whole point of this, where as we get more data, we're able to build a better model, understand more with the, you know, the, other, the other data points that we have to then figure out what type of content you wanna see. And you know, in some cases, it's gonna be unexpected, which you might wanna see, and then you know, that'll continue to, to build that out. So that's gonna be really exciting as we put their, that out in front of everyone. So Full disclosure, Greg might be a Yankees fan. <laughs> uh, for the league office, you root for nobody, right? You're just neutral. I, I'm a, an MLB employee. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Love the show. So just to elaborate on that, Greg has already sort of painted this picture, but it's worth kind of rehashing again to your point about the three-hour games. Baseball is a big time commitment. You know, it was sort of created at a time where maybe time wasn't such a precious commodity. There weren't so many competing, you know, influences on our time. Um, to watch a full season of baseball, it's you know three hours uh, a, a night, you know 162 games a year before the postseason, uh, and that's a huge amount of time, you know that we're asking from our fans. Of course, we have nightly recaps and highlights and uh, sports shows and so forth that you can catch up the next morning on the uh, most impressive home runs and so forth. But if you have other like interests in the game, maybe you're a fan of a particular player, maybe you have a fantasy lineup that's sort of unique to you or you know the the group the lead that you're playing with. Um, it's harder to get the content in that form. And so one of the things we're doing is taking three-hour games, carving them up into individual plays, not just the home runs and the double plays, but every play, every strikeout, every walk, every hit-by-pitch, whatever, um, is now going to be a video clip. Um, and we do that using the automated scoring and tracking events that we built for the tracking system and then an automated video cutter. And what it does is create this huge corpus of videos. The first time you see it, you're like, this is amazing. I'm like in baseball heaven. And then like 
10 minutes later, you're like, and I'm drowning, and I can't find my way through this. So you have to build some tools, right? The first tool is search. And fortunately, we have a lot of really rich metadata around these uh, games, the you know, uh, maybe two strike uh, counts uh, or particular matchups or game scenarios or whatever. And you can do parameterized search and pull up all those plays, and that's really cool. Uh, recommendations is even more convenient. So either you specify what you're interested in, the, the favorite player, or your fantasy roster, or whatever, or we just infer that you know, from your engagement you know, with the product. The more you engage, you know, the more it tailors to you. Like, you know, uh, e-commerce companies have been doing for a decade now, you know, but applying it to this particular type of content. And then finally, a social element of being able to take that content and share it within your social network, you know, with your friends. It creates completely new kind of navigation paths through the game, new ways of engaging the game, not linearly, you know, from start to finish for three hours, but, you know, in smaller chunks that are like personalized to you. And again, the underlying technology here is, is powered by you know, the strength of the Google platform. Um, TensorFlow is, a, is an important strategic technology for us uh, as we apply machine learning. And this is a whole separate topic. We could talk about machine learning as it relates to baseball analytics, as it relates to business analytics, as it relates to personalization. Um, but that's, you know, that's just the tip of like, what we're doing in, in the personalization space. Just how fine can you slice and dice that video? <laughs> to a frame. Um, anything that you can define. So anything that we have data on. So rainy days with O2 counts that are curveballs that hit the hit or hit by pitch, you know, that type of thing. I mean, any any way that you want to do. Plus, on top of that, this the corpus of the, the entire history of editorial content too. So all the videos that have hot dogs in them or squirrels or things of that nature as well. So it's all available, it's all there. And you know, it's one of the th those things, we had all this data, we had all this video historically, but it's in hindsight, it's like, why didn't we build this sooner? You know, it's kind of a, you know, you know obviously we've had some other technology e efforts that we've been looking at, but you know, now that we're able to do this, it's you can really do anything with, that you want with it. This is also democratization of this technology. We've had this capability for a while for our editors and, uh, and journalists, um, and that's how they produce their stories. But uh, we're basically taking that engine and, and productizing it. I was going to say, I really love that you're tracking hot dogs. <laughs> right. That's fantastic. But so how do you, I mean, right? Yeah. But how do you anticipate fans using it? As you said, though, I mean, it's so much. Like, I don't know to search for a hot dog on a rainy day. Well, I mean, as I've been using it, I've just kind of fall into it and just start looking at things I think of just randomly. You know, as, as Jason was saying, you know, you kind of get lost, like, okay, what's next? And you just kind of right. start cascading to different areas that you want to look at. You know, the, the way that we can split the data is, is for very specific cases. So if you're a fan out there that really wants to dial into uh, Otani's strikeouts, for example. Um, you know, a good story around that as well, kind of on the, you know, inside our editorial staff, you know, historically, uh, if we wanted to give all of the strikeout pitches that Otani threw um, in, a, uh, in a game, it would take, the editorial staff several hours to go through and find the, those pitches, find those clips, make those clips. Um, but now with this new, new platform that we have, it, it takes about 20 seconds to just hit those different queries that we'd like to do, and then they can generate a reel of all the videos, aggregate that together, and they can deliver that. Um, it's been a really big efficiency for our editorial staff to, um, you know, for example, you know, foreign media that wants to have all of the, you know, Korean media that would like to see all of the Korean at-bats, Korean pitchers uh, in play for the whole of the game. You know, that was a day, full, full day process to do, and now we can instantaneously, as soon as the, game, the day is over, we send an email out and then it's, it's there in their inbox so they can have it. So um, it really has kind of changed what we were able to do internally. And, and the answer is different for everybody, you know, based on your own personalized interest. Um, 
I'm a Rockies fan. I live and work in Colorado. Trevor Story is my favorite player. So every time we do a release, I search for Trevor Story home runs, see them all come up. Yep, we're good. Let's launch this. <laughs> but I, mean, I think the key to it is, is, is there's so much data and there's so much ability to slice and dice this up for fans that if that helps someone who maybe says, I can't watch a whole three-hour game, but I'm going to turn around. I'm going to slice and dice Trevor Story videos. But you're still an, you're still an engaged fan. Like at some point we have to take that level of engagement and just be happy we have it and grow it that way. So again, it's at the lowest level of engagement, but it's okay, it's engagement. And then how do we slowly work you up the ladder? Whether it's a, you know, an eight-year-old kid who's home watching, you know, cutting up videos of his favorite players or on his favorite team, hopefully the Mets, you know, that he turns around and then over time maybe uses that to bug his parents to take him to a game. And then maybe he, when he gets a little bit older, he's more of an engaged fan. He just walks himself up the ladder, so to speak. So this is another way of engaging it because that same eight-year-old may not sit down and watch our game. He may not watch a three-hour game on television. Mm -hmm. But this will allow that fan at any age, I'm just using eight as an example, but allow that fan to be engaged with Major League Baseball. And then eventually we could use that with to grow the fan base higher and hopefully get more engagement of people in ballparks. And to take that even further, so like now we're exposing, you can go and see what, what happened in you know, 1955 or whatever and kind of see that as you kind of explore the history of baseball. You know, a lot of that's part of the talk of baseball is you're always thinking about you know, plays that have happened in the yeah. past. Willie Mays, the catch, for example, you can go see every single angle and it's you know, right at your fingertips. So there's a lot of kind of falling into the content that we're hopeful that fans will do to explore the history for the, you know, the eight-year-old who's a Mets fan. Maybe he doesn't know about any of this stuff and they right. can go and kind of see the legacy that's there. So one other tie-in on this, as you guys were chatting, it, it reminded me, um, Greg, you said, you know, the more you engage with this, it kind of draws you in. Uh, it, it's sort of reminiscent of like the first time you ever uh, explored video on YouTube. You know, you don't sit down intending to watch a half an hour of YouTube videos, but, you know, you look up and half an hour has gone by. The same thing happens specifically, like, in this context, but with baseball, with a baseball vocabulary. You know, so instead of searching for cat videos or whatever memes, um, you're searching for, like, you know, double plays or uh, particular pitch counts. Um, we actually have analytics data that shows... Uh, the more you engage with the content like this, uh, it, it has a lifting effect on the overall baseball ecosystem. And I'll give you a specific example. Last year, we did an exclusive game of the week with YouTube. This is part of the uh, relationship that we've had with Google for a while now. Um, and so one game every week wasn't available on your local sports network, and it wasn't available on ESPN or Fox or one of the national broadcasters. The only place you could go would be on YouTube. Normally what we see on YouTube throughout the season, we also have a highlights clips deal on YouTube, and we see a natural kind of decay. Like baseball has this kind of arc where every spring everybody thinks it's this year that their team is gonna win the World Series. Like hope springs eternal, right? And then throughout the season as teams start to fall off and fail in the standings or whatever, it's not as much fun to watch anymore, right? And so there's this natural decay, and we can quantify like exactly what that decay looks like. By adding a game of the week on YouTube on that platform, we actually saw engagement with the baseball content increase um, throughout the season instead. So that, you know, it, it changed the sort of behavior, not on the primary live game content that was streaming every week, but uh, just sort of reminding people like about baseball and about baseball being available on YouTube. The other content there, you know, uh, was more popular and there was more engagement. And that was before, you know, this uh, per clip highlight system. That was just standard highlights. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so that's really encouraging. I was going to say maybe it's also worthwhile talking about where we're heading. You know, while there is this vocabulary and the system has mapped pretty much everything, it, what we're looking at is the same technology that we have for photo search that you see on Google. You know, we're deploying that in a way that can identify as the vocabulary changes and people don't want to look at whether it's squirrels on the field, they now want to look at parakeets in the stands. If that hasn't snakes. been tracked. You know? I hate snakes. And we, <laughs> we tag snakes, uh, it turns out, in baseball games. And you can go out and search and see. And there's some really weird clips of like snakes sticking their head up in the outfield behind the outfielder. And the center field camera captures it. Some weird what? stuff. Yes, that happened. I cannot wait to hear you. <laughs> Hot dogs and snakes. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the other element, too, is as we, now that we have this video in a state where we can consume it and, and utilize it, we can apply other technologies to then add more meta, find more snakes, find more hot dogs, find other <laughs> things that are out there that in the corpus of data that we have that's not just manually entered. And as we start seeing interest in what people are looking for, well, maybe we need to apply more tags to other videos that have that because we just haven't even found them yet or you know, just haven't gone through the work to do so yet. So that's going to be really interesting as we kind of grow that over time based on usage as well, which is, is exciting. I mean, the way, the way I think about it and the challenge of sport is it's, there is no script. It's the beauty. It's the, it is what makes sport so powerful where when you go on a, a platform like Netflix and you get multiple images really merchandising that title to you, that's based on the script. They're based on all the metadata they have. And what we're doing today is we're structuring that in a way to deliver that similar type of experience, but in sport for the first time. So since we are here at MIT Sloan um, and we teased the ML thing a little bit, before we open up for questions, I wanted to just elaborate a little bit on this. And Greg, you can jump in as well. You mentioned at the beginning, you know, we did some prep calls for this. And one of the things that we described was we feel like we're almost at the point where we've solved object tracking. And what we mean by that is we can track the ball and the players um, pretty reliably on the field. We track umpires, we track coaches, we track you know, pitches, hits, throws, uh, player movement. Instead of tracking center of mass on players, we're tracking multi-point skeletal models, you know, 30 frames a second. And in some cases, you know, 500 frames a second with high frame rate cameras. But all of that still falls under this umbrella of like object tracking, right? And one of the things that we're really excited about in, you know, projecting forward for like the next five years is what happens when you start to connect objects in the game into systems of objects that are interacting with each other. Um, plays, baseball plays. Like, what if we could train like a deep neural network uh, to understand how to recognize a double play and how to quantify a double play or even how to recognize the double play and then do the play-by-play -play, you know, scoring or announcing you know, with a, like an automated uh, voice. Um, so many of these functions are still done manually with literally human operators in the press box, like writing down on a piece of paper or on a laptop, you know, such and such a pitch was thrown and then this happened and, you know, this is what happened on the field. And we mash up that, like, manual scoring data with the automated tracking data. But what if the whole thing was automated? You know, what kind of insights would we find, you know, about the game, you know, in models like that? There may be new ways of evaluating defensive performance. Like, uh, how do players move on the field? Is their line to a ball as efficient as possible? You know, is their limb movement, you know, a part of what makes them a great shortstop, for example? Um, bat path tracking, pitcher mechanics. Um, these are some, like, cutting-edge areas of 
um, machine learning and machine vision research, you know, that we're excited to be partnered with Google on right now. I, One, I was going to bring up the Google example, but go ahead. <laughs> One of the reasons we chose Google is because not only does Google have like really massively scaled systems that have been deployed for their own products, but they've also seen this wave of like AI, ML innovation coming and have um, hired, you know, at least 50%, you know, of the, the top researchers in the industry. And when we start talking about like systems of objects in video, these are cutting edge video research topics, you know? And so we're excited about not just the, the fundamentals and continuity with our existing StackCast platform, but you know, where will research go when you can combine the talent and the scale of Google with the data set that we have in baseball, you know? And, and, you know, and hopefully some really cool stuff will come out of this. Okay, I was gonna just add that it's called, it's called reference modeling and actually our brain team based in Zurich, they've been focused on this for quite some time now. And they did a blog post recently on looking at uh, data around European football or, so, or what we call soccer. Um, and really being able to predict and continue this movement where the players are gonna go. Now these are teams, and this is the, the, the great fun of working at Google, that literally when I, when I spoke to the research scientist who was working on this, he said to me in 10 years, he'd gotten the video from uh, Manchester City, and in 10 years at working at Google, this was the first time he ever talked to anybody outside of Google. And <laughs> so the, the reason they're doing this research is it eventually will show up in your search results. It will be the thing that enables Waymo and self-driving cars to do a left-hand turn into oncoming traffic. And then we're working on, you know, how do we deploy this in the sports? And that, you know, that ability to really almost predict the game before the game happens, we think it can be extremely powerful. Right, and then one other element to take what Jason said further, the, you know, remember we also, we have all the video, we have all of this tracking data, we have all the traditional scoring, but we also have things like closed captioning for like what the announcers are actually saying as an annotation, both, you know, positive and negative for every play, you know, home and away broadcast as it were. So we, we can then, start building a, you know, an actual script of what an, an individual uh, announcer would say, and then based on the tracking data to say, highlight what he's highlighted historically that maybe he didn't see in this play. So it actually will just act, act, make the on-air talent actually perform better by just being alerted of things that happened that maybe they saw or did not see uh, to kind of extend that out. And by listening to the tone of the voice, you get the sentiment of what's also happening. Precisely, like all these different elements that tie into it, and then, you know, you know, and that could even include things like anecdotes that are said in between pitches about like what you might transition, what, how you've transitioned in the past as well. It's just to kind of increase the engagement, you know, to make sure that it's an entertainment product along the way. And with what was going on this week at Spring Training with the, the players being mic'd, mm -hmm. that's also just another data yep. flow that can come in to give, you know, somebody what they're looking for. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Very quickly you realize that everything that's going on in the field is data. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. I'm blown away. <laughs> um, that's all very exciting. I know it's all aspirational, but with everything you're talking about in terms of getting to that level of advanced machine learning, what are we looking at? Like, how, how long until we get there? So, literally, we're starting now. So, uh, over the, the course of this off-season, we spent a lot of time sort of getting the foundation in place, getting the fundamentals, putting all of our data, you know, on one platform, training the team. Um, one of the benefits of being single cloud versus multi-cloud is we can go a lot deeper, you know, into the tech stack and, you know, understand how automatic AutoML and uh, TensorFlow are going to work in our environment. Um, but the next step is building on top of that, building new products and innovating. So the, 
the video highlights, uh, we call the project Fastball internally, um, maybe rebranded before it's officially launched. Um, but that is like the first example of something, you know, that we're building on this new platform that we couldn't have done in the past. Um, the more advanced machine learning stuff, like we're building models, we're training models now, you know, and seeing um, how close we are to the cutting edge of research, I think. A lot of uh, sort of machine vision right now is focused on still images, and video, you know, is an advanced topic. So taking that and adding a time dimension is something new, but um, we can't wait to work with this team. And it, really it's about sort of getting through the start of the season, getting to stability. We do a lot of work in the off season, you know, on all these major infrastructure projects, and then we don't want to change that stuff during the season. So during the season is actually a good time for us to come back and do some long-term investment and like research uh, into uh, more advanced analysis like this. Uh, so stay tuned over the next few years for sure. Uh, within you know two to five years, I think you're going to see uh, major innovation based on machine learning. And I would just add, since since we are at Sloan, the beauty of working you know with somebody like Google Cloud is these investments that the MLB is making. They don't have to go out and build a building. They don't have to go out and build buy their own servers. You know, basically they can spin up these servers as they're needed. You know, they can test. Let's say they do something doesn't work, it doesn't get the experience that they're looking for, they haven't built a server farm. And this is, you know, I think for media and consumption, it's pretty revolutionary. I've, I've launched lots of TV channels in my life, and you always started with, like, how much does a satellite transponder cost? And what's the benefit? You know, and you had to map out, really, the entire experience for three years from day one, here with the capabilities, you know, and the sandbox that really Greg and Jason have, you can test, you can try, and, ch and change on the fly if need be. So we're going to transition to questions in a second, but before we do, the next generation of fans, I think it may have even been in the title or description of this panel, we talked about uh, this very savvy eight-year-old mm -hmm. who is doing all kinds of searching. Um, but then also the, the people who are watching on YouTube, how much do we know about the demographics, what you're going for, and how this will directly affect essentially that, that new, that target young one? Yeah. So with the help of these gentlemen here, we know a lot about these people, more so than we have in the past. And it's, it's one of the things that really excites us from a team perspective, from a marketing perspective, because right now you know when we look at our TV ratings, as inaccurate or accurate as they may or may not be, we know that the average fan of a, who watches on television, for I could just talk about the Mets, is a 55-plus-year-old white male. Right? And when you look at the younger demographics, there's almost no very limited younger children or you know, tweens watching a game on base, baseball on television. But when we look at the YouTube numbers and we start to see all of this opportunity here with slicing and dicing videos, it's, it's for the team's perspective, we have to get away from what's traditionally been our, our marching orders and how we've run our businesses to say, okay, we're gonna watch the games on TV or back when I was younger, you know, you listened on radio, you watched on TV, that doesn't exist for the younger audience. So to have the ability to use this to transform our business and go ahead is crucial for us. But then it's how do we take this and also make that applicable in, in ballpark, right? This is great out of ballpark. So again, that'll probably be the last piece. You know, what actually happens in park can take a little bit longer, but we're using you know, AI and machine learning on multiple things here uh, at the Mets. Um, you know, we actually did a, a rollout of something. We were the first team last year to go with a, you know, a cashierless uh, alcohol transaction. So we actually had a concession stand where we just had someone watching in security. You would go up and you would get your favorite Coors Light or whatever the product was, 
and it was a partnership with Mastgen and Aramark and Clear. If you're familiar with Clear when you're at the airport, the biometrics company. So you would take your beer, you would put it on the Mastgen unit, and it would know exactly what that product is and what the cost is, and then you would use your biometrics through Clear to identify that you're over 21 and they charged your credit card because that's what you have tied to your Clear account. Cool. All in a matter of seconds. No human interaction needed. And that's what from our feedback from a lot of the surveying that we do, more and more people want frictionless you know, uh, transactions. So if you could do that, and the feedback on it was amazing. So that's just one thing that we're trying to do on top of you know, augmented and mixed reality in ballpark to keep a younger fan engaged. I mean, there's a lot of things we have to do, but this is coming at us really quickly and we're excited to try to figure out a way to make it work. Wow, robot umps, robot bartenders. <laughs> yeah, whatever All it kinds takes. of things happening. All right, let's see what we have in here. Um, when thinking about tech innovations in baseball, how do you consider the impact on players and teams who have developed skills based on the current system? For example, removing pitch framing as a skill. Yeah, so I, I mean, we certainly have seen a trend in, um, so exit velocity, launch angle are hu humongous across the league, and I think everybody kind of knew, knew it, and it was kind of obvious, but what we've actually seen is an increase in, in launch angle by one degree per year going back to 2015. It's kind of amazing to think about that the whole industry has kind of sw switched and embraced, and now they're, you know, players are training their swing specifically to induce an outcome based on the data that they now have that they never had prior to the system, and so that's changing that. Uh, in the case of catcher framing, obviously that's, you know, every sport's kind of dealing with the, you know, this transition into tracking and, you know, HD video and, you know, slow, uh, high frame rate video to kind of understand how the game has changed, how it's actually called versus what the rule book is. And catcher framing is a great example of that. It's a skill that now has been attributed to the catcher because of, you know, the umpires being, you know, though they're very good, you know, they're still, you know, can be inaccurate in certain cases based on their, their ability to, to make that movement. But I think as we kind of address that and kind of understand what, it doesn't make, I mean, it doesn't make sense that that is a skill other than you're gaming kind of the system. You're kind of working around the edges of the rules to induce an outcome that you want. So, um, like I said, every sport is dealing with, with this now, and I think as over time, you know, that skill will be, there will be new skills that will come up that are based on your actual, what you're actually doing rather than what you're able to. The truth is catcher framing is essentially exploiting a loophole, you know, between the rule book and the, and the accuracy of the umpire's ability to call the play and the perception of, you know, catching the ball and moving the glove. Um, I, I think what we're seeing for the most part, this is a general statement, but I think it's backed by data. Uh, players have embraced the availability of better, more accurate data. Mm -hmm. These are world-class world class athletes, and if you give them you know, solid data, they incorporate it extremely quickly you know, to improve their own performance. Almost all players and clubs go out and do direct relationships with high frame rate camera vendors or biomechanics like analysis for bat path and, and pitcher mechanics on their own in addition to what we do at the league level, which is primarily for entertainment purposes. I mean, there, there's a number of different use cases that we're, we're using, but we're primarily focused on providing a great experience to the fans you know, and supporting the game in that way. In terms of uh, player development and training, um, that's really uh, up to the clubs and the coaching staff, uh, you know, to, to make those investments. And I think, you know, the trends in the industry are the, the return on the investment is so strong that people want the best, the best data that they can get. So you spoke a little bit about this, but more specifically, what are MLB's plans for introducing the vast amounts of data to fans? While many are comfortable with data, how do you plan to roll out the new functionality without overwhelming everybody? 
It's been a little while since we've had a chance to refresh uh, our core consumer apps, MLB.com, club.com sites, the MLB app, the ballpark app. Um, I was talking to somebody recently and they were like, you know, over the past few years, MLB has been kind of quiet in terms of product innovation. And hopefully some of the stuff that we've talked about today, you know, explains why. We, we had some refactoring and some housekeeping and some consolidation. We had to pay down some technical debt, you know, coming out of that uh, Disney transaction. It, but it was also a huge opportunity for us to retool and refresh our core infrastructure. We're completing that process essentially now uh, with the start of the 2020 season. And so um, we've also just rebuilt uh, an entirely new product leadership team at MLB who's thinking about the fan experience and thinking about metrics and analytics and things like that. So stay tuned. Um, the Fastball VOD product is, is one of the first innovations there, but there's a pipeline that we're developing where I think we're gonna end up refreshing you know, a lot of those uh, customer surfaces. Okay, Lou, I think you might be able to answer this one. I uh, hope so. All right, you've spoken about how you're using data to augment the existing fan experience. How are you planning to use data to attract new fans? So, that's a great question, whoever asked that. Uh, hopefully it's not one of the guys who used to work for us or are in the audience here. <laughs> um, so look, that, that's probably the biggest upside for us. You know, we know that we're gonna have uh, data on our current fans. We have to be able to be a little bit smarter on how do we use data to go out and generate new fans. I mean, it's, it's uh, look, there's a lot of capacity in baseball. You know, we have, you know, over three million plus tickets we need to sell every year, and the average fan comes to about three games or less. So you're talking about trying to get a million people in your park three times. The easiest way to grow your attendance is to get the person who came to three games to come to four games. Just get them to come to an additional game. But that can only get you so far. So you have to be able to use this data and these tools to go out there and actively market towards, so they can help us do lookalike campaigns. So we can take this data and say, we know that Jason looks like this. He is a fan that scores as an X in our system. Let's find some lookalikes like that person. Then you have to work with partners like Google and others. How do we find that person? What's their trigger? What's the offer? And it's just a series of continual learning and testing and I used to tell my teams all the time, test as much as we want, and we'll learn. I don't care if something fails, it's all right. Because if we learn something from it, great. Let's process that and move the other direction. But for us, there's so much world of opportunity out there with new fans as well. It's just a matter of how can you effectively market to them and reach them with the right offer. The strongest indicator for whether somebody becomes a lifelong baseball fan and attends baseball games eventually becomes a season ticket holder, which is kind of the top of the customer lifetime value progression, is whether they play baseball as a kid. And so uh, you can think about amateur and youth baseball, you know, as like the front of like an onboarding ramp. Imagine if you could you could do a simple democratized like augmented reality experience where you could get launch angle and exit velocity or pitch speed on your phone. You know, like just by pointing the camera on your phone, you know, at a Little League game. Wouldn't that make it fun, you know, to watch that I mean, game? That would be something. Um, and Google has a long history of doing this type of thing, you know, w with all of its products. I mean, uh, I think eight or, or more 10 billion user products. It'd be really cool to work together on, you know, an app that brought that kind of an experience to Little League. It's fun. How do you protect fan privacy while using these new tools and continuing to personalize the fan experience? So can you read the question? How do you protect fan privacy? So we anonymize all of our fan data. Um, mm -hmm. uh, we don't track personally identifiable information or payment information or contact information or things like that. We look at 
patterns of the data in the aggregate um, you know, for, for much of our analysis. Obviously, there are some situations where we do want to be able to reach out to individual customers you know, and contact them with offers and promotions and things like that. So we have that data in our database. We've also taken the, um, the global movement toward customer privacy and control over your data very seriously. So like the European GDPR regulations we implemented, I think, ahead of schedule. And part of that is the right to be forgotten. So um, you can go to our, our website and ask us to basically delete all of the data that we have about you, and, and we will do that. Uh, we will forget that you ever you know, interacted with us. And if you come back and sign up again, we treat you as a new customer at that point. Okay. I think we can probably sneak in one more here. What other industries are using this technology of object and people tracking? Have Google Cloud MLB been reached out to about this to apply it to other concepts or professions? Sure. I mean, obviously, moving balls, moving people, sports is a really exciting one. We do do it for a host of industries, everything from retail, um, you know, finding where nails are at Home Depot. I'm, try I'm trying to think. Ooh, that would be nice. You know, machine learning, we, we have a, as I said, we have a partnership with the NCAA. We also work with NASA. It's being used in healthcare. You know, the possibilities are, are really endless. Wonderful. This was so fun. Thank you all for doing it. Really appreciate the time. Thank you. Thank you. This recording is the property of 42 Analytics and may not be published, broadcast, rewritten, or redistributed without the express written consent of 42 Analytics. Any opinions expressed by panelists are their own and do not represent the beliefs of the conference, 42 Analytics, or the MIT Sloan School of Management. 42 Analytics Educational, Inc. reserves all rights in the content.